0: Coming up on this episode of Linux for Everyone, I am joined by special guest and uber gamer Matt DLN, the co-host of DLN Extend. And uh, we're going to talk about all things gaming, not necessarily just Linux gaming either. Uh, We're going to shine a bit of a um, critical light on ProtonDB.com. And I don't even know where we're going to go with this. Who knows where this episode will take us. Uh, It's going to be... It's going to be... (laughs) (laughs) Episode 42 starts right now Welcome back to Linux for Everyone, and welcome home. Thanks a lot for being here. This week, we are joined by Matt DLN, also known as Dark1LTG. He has kind of a dual persona, depending on what he's doing.
1: How you doing, man? I'm not doing too bad. How about you, Jason?
0: I Well, I'm caffeinated and uh, productive and not absolutely exhausted for a change so it's a good day it's a very good day
1: yeah, i was to say and caffeine makes everything better caffeine, I, does. I, caffeine I th- does i think my blood has been replaced by caffeine
0: i have to explain why the sticker is still on this coffee mug because i can't
1: get it off well what you should do jason <laughs> is go and get that sticker covered up with some other sticker
0: and you can get those stickers at the destination linux network store And we'll have a link to that down in the description for this video and the show notes for this podcast. Um, Actually, yeah, this is this is a fairly new thing that we put on the merch store. It's stickers for This Week in Linux, for Destination Linux, for uh, DLN Extend, for DOS Geek, for Linux for everyone. And um, I think you get about two. The sheet has two stickers per show, basically. And uh, you get the entire network. It's like ten, ten dollars for the the sheet of stickers so uh yeah go check it out matt you've been around the network a bit you're the co-host of dln extend with wendy and Mm -hmm. nate uh you've also got your own youtube channel but i want to take our audience way back and hear about your linux origin story how did this all begin Uh, for you
1: dear lord um i'm probably gonna date me at this time uh so I remember going back to linux land uh 1999 y2k and all the all all the fun times of uh wow. it's 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 the end of the world and all the other stuff you know to to put that into perspective probably for younger viewers that's gonna be uh when we looked at ram in megabytes wow
0: I had it I had a pc where we looked at ram in kilobytes that's that's my true. age
1: folks true true that 46
0: yep <laughs> IBM PC compatible, the gray box with the gray keyboard, the the best keyboards ever made though.
1: They um, still are.
0: They indeed still are. Okay. Sorry.
1: <laughs> but uh, I started Linux in 99. Uh, my first distro was Mandrake. That was a distro that one of my friends had gotten from one of his computer lab teachers at the time. And then I ended up, I think I was 16 at the time and we ended up installing it on this kind of cobbled together, hardware and all I remember it was a terrible experience (laughs) why why
0: exactly was it just impossible to get all of the components uh, installed uh, and working properly
1: well uh, dial up when you have to either download drivers over dial up or build them yourself that's kind of your options but the problem is you can't do the first part without actually having a working modem Oh, so, uh, oh so, no. So, so would modems were no fun. This is when computers were like $5,000 still. It was, pa- it was painful.
0: So, did you have to boot into Windows and get those drivers and all the files that you needed and then boot back into Mandrake or was it
1: just? No, because this was a nuke and pave. This was, hey, here's uh-huh. the disk. It supposedly works. And no, it did not work. <laughs> oh it, it, it did not work out well at all. But, and it, you, you stuck with Linux after that experience? that initial well that was that was my computer that my parents had given me so it was it was the Mm hand-me-down like you know the thing that that you see kind of like um in princess bride just kind of sitting over in the corner of the room kind of deal (laughs) you know what a big 17 inch like crt and all that stuff like long long time ago but uh i stuck with that for a while but not after that machine kicked the bed, I ended up obviously going back to Windows, and that was uh, I guess me was not the best experience. Yes, and, well, you know, Linux for everyone mugs, so you can have your 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 caffeinated drinks. <laughs> By
0: the way, me was garbage. Me was uh, garbage.
1: Millennium Edition, yeah, like Y two K, everything crashed. <laughs> um, but no, like, uh, so I stuck around in Linux for. It was always the secondary machine. It was never the primary machine for a long time. So uh, I always, I you know, I've been in Linux so long that I remember when you could go to the store and buy a version of Red Hat next to a copy of Windows. I I remember
0: seeing those in Best Buy when I was uh, when I was at Best Buy a few times. I the uh, the, over on the like the bottom shelf of Mm -hmm. the you know the the PC software. And, yeah. you're like, and I was always what? just so, uh, so interested in those. And now I wish I wish they were still sold in in those boxes because now I'd be like collecting them, you know?
1: <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. I, like I've been doing this so long. Like I remember when yeah, I think it was like 2007, 2008, when the first time Dell started selling Ubuntu Linux laptops. Canonical was able to make some type of deal where they were able to sell Ubuntu in Best Buy. It, it was a really cool deal you because know, like, you you walk in and you see like like I know what Ubuntu is but like ninety percent of the other people on the planet don't so you're like oh that's kind of cool so like I did I buy it yes I did <laughs> I don't know where I went at this point but
0: now we just now we just need to get the Linux laptops and PCs into the Best Buys and WalMarts
1: we're getting there thank you thank you Slimbuck and hey Lenovo. Thank you some more. Yeah, Lenovo
0: and Dell have the most um, the most opportunity. But maybe, like, on that note, am I detached from how... I'm wondering if I am even aware of how the majority of people shop for computers these days. Like, I, I still love to go into a shop and get my hands on it and feel the keyboard and play with the touchpad and see the screen. Um, but do you think that the majority of people are shopping in physical brick and mortar stores or are they doing it online? I mean, pandemic aside,
1: right? Normally (laughs) in a normal world, I think it's probably going to be a mix. You're going to have different people. Some people prefer getting a hands-on so they can actually see and feel and kind of, you know, so like if I compare a Amazon fire tablet, as an example, to a iPad They materials aside, it's still the same black or silver slab with a screen attached to the front. So they're most consumers are just going to general end consumers. Let me rephrase this. The technologically inclined, I'm not speaking of. They're just going to say, "Okay, here's the spec. Here's the screen. How much memory? Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's generically what most people care.
0: I think that you're right. Yeah, I think that people just look at the. They want to see the numbers, you know, the higher the numbers are, the better.
1: And, and let's be honest. of so us the geeky tech people that are technologically inclined, we're kind of guilty of pushing that kind of ourselves. Cause we're like, Just Oh you, yeah. What's well, like, okay. I, don't, don't get me wrong. Like when the, the, the second gen uh, thread ripper came out, I was like, mm. Ooh, I want, I didn't want to spend the money on it, but <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those as a tech guy, I'm like, that's amazing. I need that. I think as technology guys, we, Tend not to have like that realistic point of view. It's like I'm pretty sure like mom doesn't need the the 32 core 64 thread machine. <laughs> it is
0: it is tough to stay uh, to stay grounded and and stay in touch with what the average consumer wants, right? And that's what I that's what I that's what I was trying to do in the last episode of this show with the, uh, the you know the the conversation about affordable Linux laptops. And um, by the way, I will also be on DL and Extend, kind of extending that conversation, if you will. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I will be on DLN Extend in a couple of weeks, uh, extending that conversation, having a bit more of a chat about Linux laptops with Matt and Wendy. So check that out at dlnextend.org. Link will be in the show notes, of course. It's a good show. I have a brand new patron of the show who is a trucker. And he says that he can average about 14 episodes of Linux for everyone in a day. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, you really need to make some more shows, man.
1: <laughs> no that, pressure. I can feel your pain. So I, <laughs> I said, so it. I
0: said, hey, uh, we have an entire network. If if you you know if you run out of Linux for everyone stuff, go check out DLN Extend, Destination Linux, mm-hmm. uh, the Pseudo Show, all that, all that good stuff. Man, this is going to be an episode full of tangents and side quests, isn't it?
1: It's it's going to be an episode full of editing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine so this week's discovery of the week comes courtesy of our guest uh so that means i get a week off which means i have more time to get uh episode 43 discovery of the week prepped which is going to blow your mind because it's gorgeous and it's super nerdy uh but what do you have for
1: us this week i have another audio editor it is called k-wave i'm a plasma i'm a kitty plasma person that's just my preferred desktop. You know, that's I'm actually very, that's
0: no, that's good because um honestly like KDE doesn't get a lot of attention on the Linux for everyone network of content. So that's that's cool. <laughs> it's nice to hear more about it. I like it.
1: I haven't had a lot of time to play with it, but it is it reminds me of almost like Ocean Audio. And if anyone's used Ocean Audio, it's a very simplified interface that it doesn't it there's bells and whistles to it, but you kind of gotta dig for them. And but it's easier to kind of navigate around as opposed to something like audacity, which oh, is very really. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I took interest in it. Cause my main, my editing rig back here uses uh salient OS. That's the OS that I prefer to throw things on for the most part. Uh, Silent robot does a great job with it. Anyway, uh, K wave is if you're a plasma fan and you know, you want something more than a GTK based app, that you want just something simplified, I would definitely recommend giving K-Wave a try. I had to build, I think I had to build it from the AUR. So your accessibility may vary, so.
0: I was gonna gonna look for it on my Pop laptop, but I, oh my God. Yep, it's there, it's in the Pop shop. If you're on Pop OS, it's in the Pop shop. It does look very, very simple. So uh, let me ask you this. Now I've edited in Audacity for more than a decade going back yeah. to my old days with insomnia radio.
1: Um, oh, back when it was painful. Yes.
0: Oh man. Audacity was, and, but, but it was still what I used and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I was just using it on windows at the time, but I still liked, I still liked open source stuff on, yeah. on windows. Anyway, uh, what does K wave offer in terms of various effects and filters? Uh, like I use noise reduction a lot. I use compression a lot, you know, you know,
1: that's one of those things where I haven't had enough time to play with it, like for a full on production, because I, unfortunately, life gets in the way, as you know, at times. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I've only had time to really kind of like trim episodes, uh, like start and end. But uh from what I've seen, it almost reminds me of there's an app called Vidcutter. Which is kind of in that that framework. It's very simplified. It's for like chopping up, doing like jump cuts and videos and stuff for VidCutter. It's very simplified. I haven't really had enough time to really dig into it. I mean, it's Plasma, so it probably has like options buried within options.
0: Is uh, <laughs> is is K-Wave kind of the? Is that like the official KDE Plasma suite of apps, or is it unofficial? I don't. I you know how don't you know Kden Live it. is kind of an official yeah part of that suite
1: i I honestly don't know because i was actually just browsing through the app store that i use on Hmm. and i was like oh hey let's try this editor and nice i'll check it it, out thanks dude
0: it's nice to have a week off from from having to find a new (laughs) app pick Even though I've got Uh, I've got a list a mile long in in standard notes of like stuff that and I love that people recommend software, but it takes time to actually get to all of them.
1: Well, I was going to say, ironically, one of the ones that was actually your favorite music player. Lollipop. (laughs) Woo, Dude, I still I still say Windows Linux or Mac, still the best, still the best, like local music player, hands down. What are you using now
0: for your preferred Linux distro?
1: I'm this kind of weird guy. Uh, I don't actually have like preferred distros. I have a very unique look on hardware, so I'm more function. So, I take the Unix approach to hardware: mm-hmm. do one function, do it well, and it, all, all the ancillary stuff, the you know, all the extra little perky stuff that it might be able to do. That's that's a perk, but it's not like its main function. Example: that machine. Mm-hmm. can play play video games it's not his main function it's to edit so stuff like that uh so my prefer, my distros currently are salient os on that particular machine and I i had a lenovo legion that was running salient os certain updates I don't oh. it, it, it just borked the system totally. oh man but luckily i'm I have all my, like, important data backed up anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I am I bounce between apps. I bounce between, like, I'm all over the place when it comes to stuff. Um, if anybody's listened to dlnx extend, they'll know, like, I have distros that I've tried that people probably have never heard of. Such uh, as? Test me. Test us. External OS, eLive, Chaos. Uh, I've heard of Chaos. Can't think of any more off the top of my head right now. Uh, there's... Then I also use various different shells and stuff that like nobody would ever in their right mind use in a production machine. <laughs> There's literally one called the desk. <laughs> the desk. It, it was it's a continuation of a project called the shell. You want to try telling somebody you run the shell? They think they mean bash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, the shell. No, no. On the a- desk. Yeah, I've got the shell on the desk. Uh, Yes, yeah, exactly, buddy. Uh,
1: so I'm currently using uh the Lenovo Legion with Pop! OS, and that's mostly because of the hybrid graphics that are in it. I don't dislike GNOME, but I'm just not into the GNOME workflow. Sorry, GNOME workflow, Mm -hmm. it's just not my
0: so. then, Then, have you thrown KDE on Pop! OS
1: because Pop! OS is an LTS? I don't want to say it's stale, but some of the improvements and stuff that you would normally get in like say an arch or an arch based distro or a rolling distro, just you can, I know you can enable backports and that stuff, but sometimes then you have to wait and you uh-huh. gotta, gotta, take, take uh-huh. it take and not everything always works. Um, so I can't, I don't, I don't like mixing those kind of environments. So I'll readjust a workflow because at the end of the day, it's really just about the apps. And if I can get the apps on it, that's all I care about. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. DigitalOcean recently announced new features and services such as a virtual private cloud in all regions, free of charge. This lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. Container Registries is now available to all users, easily store and manage private container images, and push images seamlessly to DigitalOcean's Kubernetes. You can get all of this plus access to their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co/dln, and you can use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen droplets or even some monster-sized droplets for two months. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with $100 credit by going to do.co/dLn.
0: Well, the main reason that I wanted to get you on the podcast is to kind of tap into your uh, you're very connected to the gaming industry. I know that you follow it a lot more closely than I do. You, you probably follow it closer than most people do. You're always talking about it on, on your YouTube channel. You're always uh, enabling many other people in our Telegram group to buy games because of your stupid recommendations all the time. Anyway, um, no, they're actually good recommendations. So Microsoft, friend or enemy to Linux, depending on your point of view, uh, recently really, really rocked the gaming industry by spending $7.5 billion in cash on ZeniMax and Bethesda. Microsoft owns All of those properties now. And I want to talk about the implications of that, how we feel about that, how that might or might not affect the Linux
1: gaming world. Uh, So the implication, well, it's not just about what it affects in Linux gaming. Uh, I think that's kind of narrow scoped too much. Okay. Because if you look at ZeniMax as a company, you have... In software, so there's your Doom games. You have Arcane Studios. There's your Dishonored games, your Prey games. Obviously, Bethesda. So there's your Elder Scrolls, and what's the other one? Starfield, and oh, Starfield. A, a, a bunch of other games. Those franchises have potentially become exclusives,
0: which is massive. Well, they've well, they've become console exclusives. Well, or Xbox well, console exclusives. Well, but I'm sure. sure. They're going to be game, on PC.
1: Microsoft secret sauce to like, if you've even looked at this generation of stuff, they have a $300 Xbox series S that's the, the low end system. It's $300 game pass is going to be the, the subscription service that they're offering with game pass. That's their secret sauce. Sony kind of lost the ball on that one, even though they had something similar with their services and they Massively but dropped the ball. PlayStation ball Plus, online. right? Uh PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now, mm, you know, all right. the streaming stuff that they've had. That that doesn't include what Microsoft's looking to do with Xcloud. Uh, so the fact that these are potentially exclusives now to Game Pass, that's a huge thing. Granted, there is a joke that Microsoft spent 7.5 billion dollars so Todd Howard couldn't sell Skyrim to a toaster this time. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe,
0: maybe there'll be a little bit more quality control in, enforced in onto Bethesda Game Studios, and we'll get a little bit less buggy
1: versions of Fallout and and Elder Scrolls. The only problem I have with this entire thing the the games like Fallout Four and Fallout New Vegas and you know Fallout Three, even uh, Skyrim, Oblivion those games have had longevity not because of the company behind it. Those games have had longevity and continued sales on PC computers. Call it whatever you want, because of the modding community. Microsoft, you talk about community all the time. Mm. They say they "quote unquote" heart Linux. Well, do you heart the modding community? That that's where my concern is because if they take all those mods away, I don't see those franchises doing nearly as well as they did or continue to do. So,
0: do you do you think that this purchase throws the modding community and Linux gaming out into the cold.
1: See here, this is the weird thing because Microsoft has done stranger things. Uh, You know, they've released like the Halo Master Chief Collection on Steam. They allow you to disable EAC. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to
0: point that out. Like for all the people who always hate on Microsoft, that they made that decision so that I could actually play the Master Chief Collection on Linux. Maybe that's not necessarily why they did it, but that enabled it, and I was actually grateful for that. But haven't they also recently snatched up studios who were developing Linux native versions of their games?
1: You're referring to Obsidian. Obsidian. And, and, and Double Exile. Fine. Also. Double Fine was, uh-huh. uh, and Exile and Double Fine were the other that you had mentioned. They also purchased uh, Ninja Theory as well. For those that I don't know who Ninja Theory was, they did the, the DMC Devil May Cry mm, remake. Right. And they, they did Heavenly Sword and, uh, enslaved Odyssey, uh, yeah, oh, enslaved,
0: enslaved. is such a gem. Like if you haven't played Enslaved Odyssey to the West, go play that game. Good game. Andy Circus was actually involved in that game.
1: Same with Heavenly Sword. Mhm. Fantastic uh, studio. They have gone on a spree and that means there is potentially less good CRPGs now for lennox So that means <sighs> your 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 Pillars of Eternity, that means your Tyranny, that means your uh Torment, Tides of Numenera type games. We don't know what they're going to do. We we know that DX12 is being rolled into to Proton in some way, shape, or form, or the support for it. Would I love to see Microsoft actually contribute in some way or shape or form to that particular project? I would love it. Do I see it I don't know. Microsoft is very business focused and say what you want about these companies. And, uh, you know, people will say, oh, well, they're not contributing to open source. They, you know, they've given us Microsoft Teams. They've given us, you know, Microsoft Edge. 10 years ago, you would have laughed, been laughed out of the room if you said Microsoft is going to put a browser on Linux. So stranger things have happened.
0: If Microsoft can at least allow these studios to continue publishing on Steam, uh, that alone gives us, a bit more of a chance to experience these games on Linux via Proton or via Lutris or, or whatever. But if they're, you know, if they're locked into the windows store, forget it.
1: I can only go by what I've seen and what the guy, what Phil Spencer, the guy in charge of Xbox game division now um, has said is that they are trying to get rid of more of the, like the, was the UMP, but like that, that installer format and go God, and stick with the more traditional 32, 64 kind of stuff. So you can actually have things like adjustable screen resolution. Thank you, Quantum Break, for not being able to do that. Because that, <laughs> that, got, that got released on the Windows Store and you couldn't actually adjust the resolution. It was, <laughs> your resolution was what it was. Man. Um, or, or cap frame rates was another one. Like, I, I think w- there was another game. Was the Rise of Tomb Raider? I think it was capped at 30 frames. 30 Funny frames that- is not
0: more cinematic. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs>
1: tell us how you really feel about ubisoft
0: maybe not linux related but i want to get your take on microsoft and this next generation of gaming whether that's on pc or on console microsoft is not messing around anymore they are not messing around between ea play being part of game pass now at no extra charge yet and yeah. this purchase of Bethesda—these are like no more, uh, no more Elder Scrolls on PlayStation, no more Fallout on PlayStation. Those are behemoth franchises, and like you said, they have longevity. They, you know, they have the uh, the ability to sustain people's interest throughout an entire console cycle. How does Sony compete, or do they even try?
1: I think you know, that's why you're seeing things like Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. Can Sony do better than what they did when they initially launched Horizon Zero Dawn on PC? Yes, they can.
0: And you know what, gamers? Let me tell you this. All you Microsoft haters out there, you have Microsoft to thank for the fact that Sony is putting games like Death Stranding and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn on PC.
1: Horizon Zero Dawn, barring the performance stuff, I have not heard one bad thing about the gameplay, the world, like the actual overall substance of that game.
0: That is a so, uh, such a perfect example of detailed, engaging world building. Everything so, in that world is is I feel like someone lived it and just brought it to life for the rest of us.
1: Microsoft is making up for a lot of mistakes with the Xbox One. The the initial launch <laughs> oh, in God. 2000. TV! The, the, the,
0: the, TV and connect, guys. It's the future.
1: And sports. Sports, yes. I think Microsoft is trying to reevaluate their their studio strategy because really if you look at the studios they've purchased they had rare making connect games sony over the course of time has been looking at selling experiences with their like first party games Playing Infamous, infamous one infamous two second son say what you want about the kill zone games
0: i loved them uh, i love i love all of sony's first party stuff all
1: uh, of that, it and, and that's the thing. Every Everyone's a unique experience. The formula might be kind of formulaic, like kind of semi-open world-ish kind of deals and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the new God of War that came out. I, I was never really, like, I like God of War, but I was never a big God of War fan. The new one I like a lot. And it, it's because it's, it's different. Sony sells experiences. That's how they compete. The PS3, like, later in life. That's how it competed was by having those Hmm. unique experiences because it got trounced in the 360 life cycle. I remember playing games that were just poorly optimized. Terrible. (laughs) Like, oh my God, they were bad. It's
0: hilarious to me that Sony got beaten so hard in that console generation when the 360 was the Red Ring of Death debacle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, where at one point, like 60% of the Xbox 360s that were produced were potatoes. I mean, literal like duds. They were lemons. They were breaking. And I I cannot believe that Microsoft even recovered from that.
1: Microsoft took a billion dollar hit for that recall program. A billion dollars. So to put that one billion dollars in perspective,
0: Microsoft bought ZeniMax Bethesda for 7.5 billion, right? Sony's, not PlayStation, Sony's, the entire company, Sony's operating revenue between 2013 and 2019 was just over $8 billion, the entire corporation globally. Kind of a drop in the bucket for Microsoft.
1: It was their operating profit.
0: Oh, operating profit. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't really think this hurts Sony. I don't think this hurts PS5. I don't think this hurts Sony as much as people think it's going to hurt Sony. They still have the first party franchises that people come to Sony for, right? It's not like those are going away. It just means people are still going to buy a PlayStation 5 to play the next Uncharted, the next God of War, the next, you know, Horizon. Horizon. The difference is this time they might also have to get an Xbox, but they're still going to buy that PS5. If if they're a PlayStation fan and they want those franchises, I don't think Sony is going to completely lose their business because of this acquisition.
1: Microsoft is going to probably have a stronger first-party lineup, a lot stronger. Wow, than, than which is they, crazy
0: it, to think about, right? I mean, what what has their what are their marquee first-party titles besides Halo,
1: Forza? Okay, Forza.
0: Forza. I love the Forza games, but uh, that's not what brings the masses.
1: No, I mean, that's not what brings the masses. So you have Halo, you have Gears of War, but they're you can probably say that they're kind of interchangeable. Um, that that's really all they had. This this generation was kind of bunk for uh, Microsoft. Not gonna lie, um, they yeah. they had a few yeah they had a, few, a few interesting experiments that they tried that didn't work. Uh, Quantum Break was one of them, where it was a mix of live action and mm-hmm. video game stuff, where choices did kind of matter. See also Night Trap. <laughs> And it, and it got a release twenty five years later on the Nintendo Switch. Man, that's so crazy. That is just wild <laughs> for a game that was banned just because they wanted an ESRB.
0: Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add about this uh, Microsoft Bethesda thing as it relates to Linux gaming? What do you think? As far
1: as as far as it relates to Linux gaming, I think the effect it, it's it's too early to tell. This is gonna sound bad, but Linux users tend to be far too reactionary when it comes to stuff like this I'm not going to assume the worst but I'm also not going to assume the best these uh, this is a for-profit company they're gonna do what's best for the bottom line now hey if they they allow me to you know play Halo or you know insert game here without like easy anti-cheat or whatever on Steam through proton, and that's that's like an ancillary effect. I don't care.
0: It does cost Microsoft extra manpower resources money to make a dedicated Linux native version of one of their first party games. It mm-hmm. does not, in my opinion, cost them anything to simply not use invasive DRM and just test it against Proton. It, I w- that, if, if it's on Steam... And there's not any invasive DRM, and it's a single-player game like Elder Scrolls. It doesn't cost them anything to make sure that is enabled for Linux compatibility,
1: right? You are correct. But on the same note, they are going to squeeze every dollar they can get out of something. And at the end of the day, if that means they can cut a loss and don't have to put an operating budget on something... They're gonna trim that <laughs> anywhere they can.
0: I guess that's just the optimist in me that, that would like I, to believe that, you know, Elder Scrolls Six is gonna just run on on Steam Proton day one.
1: I, I am hopeful because there are some games, I'm not gonna lie, that have come out day one and they just work perfectly on uh barring something that relies on like easy anti cheat like a portion of the game relying on that some of the SAO games come to mind Fatal Bullet um Alice's Licorice those worked out of the box day 1 no configuration you just can't use the online but the single player is totally playable hmm. and and good so if they do something like that I'm fine with that like that it's their choice at the end of the day the community can either vote with their wallet you know they the microsoft will get the feedback from the proton use if there's proton use but like unfortunately i'm kind of jaded because i've been in and out of the industry for so long when it comes to games that you 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 get a little jaded and just kind of see it see the business side of it
0: yeah but uh, but i think that if you if you keep the business side of it in mind you also have a, a more informed and realistic perspective of the industry um I don't always like to have that realistic <laughs> view, but it's true. You know, the, this does come down, unfortunately, with many, many things like our favorite movies or our favorite TV shows or our favorites, even sports teams or video games. It's It all comes down to the bean counters mm-hmm. and what's going to make us the most money for the, less, the least amount of investment.
1: Biggest thing they're going to care about is ROI.
0: R-O-I, return on investment. It's just going to be a matter of time, and we'll have to ride this out and see how see how it all shakes out. You know, speaking of uh, day one compatibility and, and being able to play our games on Linux, that brings us right around to the other topic of this episode, which is ProtonDB and the way that our gaming community handles rating those experiences.
2: This episode is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords. The fact that Bitwarden is not only open source but has had third-party security testing done is one reason I have chosen to trust them with my passwords. On their blog, they have recently announced another third-party security review has been completed. They have the security assessment available for anyone to review. My favorite part of the report and I quote, no exploitable vulnerabilities were discovered. Thank you, Bitwarden, for offering such a feature-rich password manager and making security checks a priority. You can get started with a free account by going to bitwarden.com DLN. Want to support this open source project and help them continue to conduct third-party security audits? That support starts at only $10 a year. Jump over to bitwarden.com DLN to learn more.
0: Now, we both have, I think, very passionate opinions about this, and uh, I think that they go well against what we see on ProtonDB. Do you want to get into this a little bit?
1: For those that are not Linux gamers, ProtonDB is essentially an online database of games that run on the Proton compatibility layer for uh, Windows games to run on Linux. The rating system that it has is based off the project it is originally based off from, and that is wine. So you have platinum, gold, silver, and bronze, and then you have a setting, a, a one called Borked, which d- it doesn't work. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a giant red one. So if you ever search this, you <laughs> and it says Borked, don't it probably doesn't work. So that's a, the kind of the high view of what ProtonDB is. Uh, it's user submitted reports on and statuses on how a game is working now these can range from your hardware you know people running ryzen with nvidia and uh, intel with amd amd with nvidia or amd amd systems that is essentially like the short condensed version of what ProtonDB is okay it's user user submitted reports and the statuses between it to see if a game works or not on proton per steam
0: now, see, with with Steam Gaming uh, on Linux, you have what's called a whitelist, and those are games that Valve has actually certified to run flawlessly, out of the box, no tweaks necessary, just install it and play. And you don't even have to click the, uh, the little... You don't have to do anything extra, basically. Not a thing. If you have Steam installed on Linux, it's going to play. However, um, I do just want to add that they did... Whitelist Doom 2016, and there were four systems and three distros that I could not get that game to run on. So there's that. My point is that right now, the rating system that ProtonDB has, I don't think fairly represents the experience that you're going to have getting that game to run. And I want to use one recent example from my personal life, and that is Elite Dangerous. So I recently bought this guy right oh geez it, it is the uh oh yeah it is the um i think it's called the Thrustmaster Hotos hotas one uh it's for xbox and pc uh, i wanted to play elite dangerous on linux on my pop os system with uh with my you know big ultra wide monitor and my nvidia 2080 supers and the rating for elite dangerous after 335 user reports, is gold. When I see a rating that's gold and the only one above it is platinum, I expect that I can get it to run maybe with checking a box here or changing a graphic setting here, not installing a custom version of Proton, not having to install wine tricks and Proton tricks and spend an hour... In a terminal window, downloading.NET files so that I can get the game to properly launch. That's not a gold experience to me, but that is the rating for Elite Dangerous on ProtonDB. And I have tried to get this game running on two of my machines my, um, my Oryx Pro laptop and my Falcon Northwest Talon, both with Pop! OS, which is, which is generally considered to be a pretty gaming friendly distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, all up-to-date drivers, you know, up-to-date everything. I'm playing on Windows, guys, because I can't get it to run. I cannot get the game to run on Linux. And and when I see gold, I'm thinking I'm a technically inclined person. I build PCs. I know how to edit registries. I know how to, you know, find my way around in a terminal. I should be able to get this game to work, right? But no.
1: They are looking at it from a performance point of view. They don't look at it from an experience point of view. Ah, uh, okay. That is that mm-hmm. is the difference. They don't care how much work it takes to get it to it. If you can get to the end result and it's still running somewhat natively almost, it's a gold performance. To 99% of the regular population, it is about the experience. So the Thank few you. video the, the few videos that I've done for you, mm-hmm. every single game that I've ever recommended on that, even the games that I recommend on DL Extend. I only recommend games that are either native or platinum or maybe a gold game on occasion. If it is something simple to fix an example game is, it is a terrible resident evil game, which is resident evil six, but is a fun co-op game, you have to replace the movie files because of the, the file format. Ah, that's all codec so thing, right? Yeah. It's literally just a drag and drop into the, the steam folder. That's it. Okay, that's not that's not difficult. That to me is no different than dropping a DLL into Windows. There's dozens of games in my collection that don't work on Windows. Um, one of my favorite games is Time Shift. Doesn't work at all. These guys are looking at it from a technical point of view. The problem is, then we get people on that go onto YouTube and look for like Linux gaming. You know, if you if you hear about it from some technically inclined person, and they tell you about the experience, but they don't tell you about the experience of actually doing proton, <laughs> uh, the ratings don't take into account that type of experience because that's not what the ratings are based around, and that's where I think where the problem is is because the people su- making the reports aren't looking at the experience; they're looking at the performance.
0: I just I think the problem that I have with this approach is it really blocks out your average. PC user, mm-hmm. right? And and I know that I know that some people don't want to look at Linux. They want to look at Linux as this elite operating system, this elite experience that uh, you know you feel like hacker man when you're in there. And but I look at it as a better operating system that respects your privacy, that isn't as broken, that updates better, that runs faster, that's free, that more people should use. And so I'm coming at all of this whether it's you know talking about affordable Linux laptops or whether it's talking about gaming on Linux, I'm coming at all of this from a more, I guess, mainstream perspective, mm-hmm. where I'm trying to look at it through the lens of an average PC user and what they have to go through to have the same experience on Linux as they do on Windows. And I don't want to send someone who is interested in trying gaming on Linux to a ProtonDB and ask them to install custom uh, versions of Proton from Glorious Egg Roll. And like, what's a Glorious Egg Roll? He's a cool guy, but what? what why? How? Um, uh, or Or, you know, or do all of these things in the terminal to get a game to work. I just, there's, there doesn't, there needs to be an alternative. There needs to be an easier solution to point people to and... On that note, uh, Liam from gamingonlinux.com is actually working on something. Um, I don't know how successful it will be. I don't know how far along it is, but it's basically Steam Play reports. And he's taking the information from ProtonDB and generating a much more straightforward report about it. So, looking at Doom, for example, we talked about Doom earlier, Doom 2016. This is what it says. Our rating system is simple. If it's reported as working, that means it is click and play with Valve-provided official Proton. No extra workarounds, no external helpers. And so he's got Doom, a thumb up, green thumb up for single player, and I'll have a a graphic in the the video for this. 84% of the last 30 reports say that it's click and play with Steam Play Proton. 100% say it works when taking issues into account. And then uh, there's also multiplayer ratings as well. So on their multiplayer, it says 37% of the last reports say it's click and play with Steam Play Proton. And 53% say it works when taking issues into account. So that means that the most recent reports on multiplayer are basically saying don't bother mm-hmm. unless you really want to put some work into it. But on single player, it's saying, yeah, it's, it's pretty much click and play. So I like that approach it kind of gives you at a, at a glance like that. I like that green thumb up button that (laughs) says, okay, the most recent, this is based on the most recent experiences of people saying it, it works. It doesn't work. And so I hope that he can actually build this into a nice database or something that, uh, that, that people can just go to and get an idea of how the game they want to play will work at a glance. Because the other thing is like, I feel like it's, it makes more sense to point people at a URL called gaming on Linux than it does Proton DB. Yeah. What what is that?
1: <laughs> Proton database.
0: <laughs> and I, I hate to knock like you know, I, I hate to knock Proton DB because I think that for technical users, people like me, I think it's a great resource. I really do. I just take an issue with how the ratings are put together and that there's really no alternative for normies really
1: yeah like you i don't want to fiddle around with stuff i literally want to hit the big blue install button then the big green play button and that's it that's all i uh, i want to do i don't want to i don't want to mess with wine tricks and proton tricks i do appreciate the works of these guys do i i I want to be uh, to be clear about that but call it constructive criticism call it tough love call it whatever you want the rating system is flawed because of the approach for normal people who are coming from other platforms, uh, like you said, Jason, I'm not going to stick them towards something called ProtonDB. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like there is some great technical information that has helped me solve problems with uh, certain games not working. As an example, uh, Bayonetta was one of them because um, I had it on an external hard drive. I moved it to my uh, main OS. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Mo- I moved it to the main OS drive. It worked because of how Wine reads different Windows directories to Linux directories. Worked perfectly fine. So that, but I got that from ProtonDB. It's a very helpful site to fix problems, but it shouldn't be the go-to when you're not looking for problems to be fixed. You're looking for information about the experience that you're, the game is going to give you. How much work is involved? That's what we need to be directing people to.
0: And I've had this argument with some people and they say, well, then those those gamers who don't want to deal with that should just should they only play the, the Valve whitelisted games. But that's like, what is it, 40 games in yeah, total, well, something like that. It's it's well under 50, I think. And I don't want to tell them that because there are literally hundreds more games that do work out of the box on Linux with absolutely no setup, no issues, no, no tangles, nothing. Mm-hmm.
1: Again, I want to make it clear bashing the project, where, where the over reliance on the project for people who are not gonna fit the demographic and the approach of the website. If you want to be a user and generate reports and give reports to you know help solve problems or whatever, mm-hmm. that's great. That's awesome. Super helpful, yeah. And you know, it's like bug reports, do them all the time. But really at the end of the day. We also have to have an understanding that not everybody wants to know every part of the internal combustion engine of the car. They just want—they literally just want to put the key in the ignition, turn it, and you go. This is going to be a little side tangent. Sorry, Jason. the The problem that I tend to have with some some of this is that people, well, if they're not technically inclined enough, they they shouldn't be using computers or Linux or you know whatever. Just because they don't have an interest in, say, technology or Linux or whatever doesn't mean they don't have knowledge that you don't in another area. If you're technically inclined in computing, you might not be technically inclined to be a mechanic or a plumber or an electrician. There's this like, weird superiority complex sometimes, and it's like, I don't get it. The, the, the quote-unquote catering to the, the normies is perfectly fine to do.
0: Yes, and I, I think that's how we we capture uh, more of an audience and more users is we we treat them equally. Oh, Mirror's Edge is rated platinum. Dragon Age Origins is rated platinum. Huh. Uh, I'm actually looking through all these now, and there's a lot of platinum rated games. Street Fighter Five,
1: uh, Titanfall, I believe, is gold. Was gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, could could be mistaken. Remember Me is
0: yeah, uh, but uh, Skyrim is gold. Um, but but again, like I I don't actually I don't look at ProtonDB. I've never looked at it in terms of this is the performance rating that you get. I I always thought that actually was actually the experience rating. In a way, I understand that it's it's kind of a similar rating system to how WineHQ works. The problem I have with it is that there's so much varying degree of difficulty within all of these gold rated games. For example, I'm I'm looking at ProtonDB.com and sorting it by rating. And I'm seeing games that are rated gold that took just zero effort to start playing on the same distribution, right? Pop OS, the same hardware that I was trying to get doom to run on and elite dangerous to run on, which took, well, which was borked for me, (laughs) not gold. Um, when i bring up a topic it's not necessarily to suggest a solution it's just to start the conversation and see where that goes and uh,
1: it's not about being oh you're da- you, you know you're criticizing the projects or anything like that no it's it's coming at it from a different angle mhm and that's really what it is because while i understand where these guys are pr- generically coming from with the the, the the close to native performance. And that's kind of, it doesn't matter how much you have to tweak it. If it gets to there, awesome. Really at the end of the day, it's the experience for people like you and me.
0: Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. It's the experience for people like you and me. It, it's not the experience for a Linux gamer, a yes. s- someone playing a game on Linux. And that's what we need. Well, Matt, I don't think I have anything else to offer on this front. Um, but we're definitely interested in what you guys think. So if you have some feedback on this, let me know. The email to do that is Linux everyone, at pm.me. Or you can tweet to Linux, the number four, everyone, on Twitter, or discuss it in our telegram group as well, or our Discord group. Lots of places for you to get in touch. Um, but if you do send an email, you might have a, an opportunity to hear that read on the show. Matt, how would you like to close this out by giving us one Linux game recommendation that everybody should try? You want native? It's up to you. Either either platinum experience, okay? Platinum experience or Linux native. Whatever, just a game that you're loving right now.
1: Right now, well, okay. So I'm not going to lie, I'm a total sucker for cyberpunk games. So I made this game recommendation on one of your videos that I did, and this it's called Dex. It is a amazing game. It's native. It's a two two point five D side scrolling action RPG cyberpunk open world. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hold on, adding to Steam. <laughs> <laughs> We need like a big red like yeah. Matt the Enabler yeah. graphic on, on your screen right now. Uh there is also a demo for decks. Yes. So if you don't want to drop the nineteen ninety nine, you can uh download the demo for it.
1: Well, here's the thing you can also get this game usually Uber Cheap from like Fanatical or Indie Gala or Humble Bundle. I've oh, seen okay. the game I've seen the game go for as low as a dollar. Personally, I would say go get this game at the twenty dollar price tag. It's really worth it. The developers supported Linux Native. They fixed a lot of Linux issues. They had they ended up releasing an enhanced edition for free. What are you playing right now that is not on PC? Uh, so non-PC games. Oof, these, uh, you're killing me, Jason. One of my favorite consoles that is totally underutilized is the Wii U. And one of my favorite <laughs> games is the upgraded version of Resident Evil Revelations. Oh, it was a 3DS game that got ported over to the Wii U. So it's a it's an up, but it uses it because of the second screen on the tablet for the Wii U. It's like you, so it's HD graphics and it's, it's the Revelations one and two games are very atmospheric and old school Resident Evil.
0: Meaning so, difficult and scary.
1: Uh, not so, not, not so not much difficult. scary. Oh, not difficult. No, no, okay, Not difficult but more atmospheric and kind of um, almost like an amnesia, like machine for pigs kind of Mm. games. Okay. So they're really atmospheric and kind of gives you the creepy vibes, but not necessarily like the cheesy jump scares, like a lot of the like five and six did. Um, Hmm. So that's probably one of my favorite games that I'm playing on console right now.
0: Nice. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out and, uh, and honestly giving me a chance to talk about, games for an hour plus because i don't get to do that very often <laughs> and uh any opportunity that i get to talk about games with somebody is always fun so i think we should do more of this yes definitely. in some capacity somehow speaking of games though i want to remind you guys that uh the destination linux network has a dedicated server for xenotic which is an open source FPS kind of arena style shooter in the, you know, in the vein of like old school Quake, but it actually has, has modern graphics, but it's that old school arena shooter. And uh, all you have to do is fire up Xenotic on Windows or Linux and go to the uh, multiplayer window on the bottom and just type in one word, Destination Linux. And you'll see the Destination Linux community server come up and organize a game and play on it. I think you can uh, have up to 16 players on the server. Mm -hmm. Totally free. Uh, That is being hosted on DigitalOcean, who is also a sponsor of this podcast. So I think that's going to do it for episode 42. Uh, You can catch me on Matt's show, DLN Extend, on episode 34 coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, you can follow my personal Twitter account at killyourfm. And like I said, Telegram, Discord, Fostadon, lots of places for the Linux for Everyone community to hang out and chat with each
1: other. Matt, where can everybody find you one more time? Find me on Twitter at mattdln, or listen to the Destination Linux Network Extend show or DLN Extend as it is known at DLN extend.org
0: we'll chat again soon thank you so much for listening and until we meet again take care and take care of each other see ya
2: Woo!
1: there you go you have like four videos oh my god
0: (laughs) we're gonna talk about matt's linux and gaming origins
1: you actually want to poke poke the bear
0: oh i want to poke the bear on this one yeah, uh, okay, I really do. Okay. I really do.
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 I got You yeah, yeah wow. you're looking at you're looking at me like I have an idea where your your thought process. No, is I'm going. looking
0: at you like rescue me, please. <laughs>